The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, March 15, 2020, on the basis of Genesis 12, verses 1 through 8. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. A while back, I heard an interview that made me feel rather uneasy. The person being interviewed was someone who used to work for the National Security Agency, or the NSA. And in this interview, they were talking about how just about everything we do, just about everywhere we go, just about every step that we take leaves behind a footprint. Not a a literal footprint, as you might imagine, but a digital one. So, for example, when you open up your computer and log into the Internet, really everything that you do online is is recorded by your Internet service provider. And when you're driving in your car with your phone, and that phone connects to a cell tower, and then the next cell tower, and then the one after that, that connection, those connections are all recorded. When you take any device and you hook up to a wireless router, whether that's at your home, or at your work, or at Starbucks, or at church. Those connections are recorded. And in our post-9-11 world that we live in, if the NSA suddenly decided that you were a person of interest, they very well might want to see all of that data that is collected about you, and there's a pretty good chance that the communications companies might let them see it. Just about everywhere you go and every step that you take, you leave behind a footprint. So that got me thinking. What if someone, not someone working for the NSA, but really just anyone, could see those footprints? What if they could see all of that data showing the places that you went and where you spent your time? What if they could see all your text messages that you get and receive and the emails that you write? What if they could see everything that you Google and every website that you visit? What if they could see every online purchase that you make and every time you swipe your credit card? I think you'd agree that if they could see all of that data, they would know quite a bit about you, right? Those footprints that you leave behind tell the story about what makes you who you are. Now, if that makes you feel a little bit uneasy the way it made me feel uneasy, the good news is there's a flip side to this. That those footprints can tell the story of someone and and help us know not just their dirty little secrets, but they can also help us see their secret. In other words, let's say there's someone that you really admire, someone that you look up to, someone who has accomplished with their life everything that you want to accomplish, someone who holds their life together the way that you strive to do, someone who has a marriage that you are envious of, someone who has a relationship with their children that you would like to have. What if you could see all of that data about them? What if you could just follow them around for a week and see how they do things? What if you could see all of those footprints that tell the story that makes them who they are? I think you'd agree that'd actually be kind of a nice thing, wouldn't it? As we continue our worship series today entitled Familiar Terrain, we're going to meet two characters in these verses, both of whom have left behind some footprints. Their words and their actions that have been recorded on the pages of Scripture are are literally imprinted right here in our Bibles for us to see and for us 
to look at, footprints that tell us not their dirty little secrets, but footprints that tell us their secret. And the reason that's important is because one of those characters is, first of all, God. Someone whom it goes without saying is important for us to know a little bit about. What makes him who he is? What defines him and really makes him unique? The other person in the story, the other character, is this man by the name of Abram. A man whom the Bible refers to as the father of all who believe. So what made Abram? who he was, what made him the father of faith, what is the essence of believing in God the way that Abram did. How are we going to get the answers to those questions? Well, as we look at these verses from Genesis chapter 12, we're going to see that it is our footprints that tell the story of what makes us who we are. These verses from Genesis chapter 12 actually come at a very pivotal moment in the history of mankind. In these verses, God is about to select the one man who is going to become the family that is going to become the nation into which God's Son, the Savior of the world, is born. In fact, we could almost picture God as having the being the team that has the first pick in the NFL draft. All of the players are still on the board. God can have his pick of anyone that he wants to be this important person and play this important role. And so what does God do? Well, he goes to this place called Ur of the Chaldeans. He goes to the house of a man by the name of Terah, a man whom the Bible tells us worships all the false gods that were common in this place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And God picks Terah's son, a man named Abram, along with his wife, Sarai. And at this point, Abram and Sarai have exactly zero children. And not only that, but Abram is 75, and his wife, Sarai, is 65. And last but not least, God tells Abram to go to a land that is already inhabited by nations and tribes far more powerful than he you see why all of this seems a bit odd, right? God says to this man, Abram, I'm going to do something really big with you. I am going to turn you into a great nation. I am going to make your name great. People all over the world are going to know who you are. In fact, I'm going to make you a blessing to others. The things that I'm going to do for you will impact other people. In fact, so much so that their fate is going to be tied to yours. If they bless you, I'll bless them. If they curse you, I'll curse them. Finally, God tops it off by saying that all peoples on earth would be blessed through Abram. God is saying that through Abram, through his family, through the nation that he would become the savior of the world, Jesus would be born. Do you see what's so odd about this? God is establishing the royal family through whom the king of kings would eventually be born. You would think that maybe he would find someone who is young and healthy and still in the prime of life. You would think that he would find someone who already knows and believes with his whole heart in the one true God instead of a bunch of idols. You would maybe think that he would send him to a piece of property that already has a for sale sign out in front of it, a a vacant lot that is just there for the taking. And yet God does the exact opposite of all of those things. God gives Abram blessings that are completely undeserved, and God works in ways that are completely unexpected. 
The Bible has a word for this. The Bible calls this grace. This wouldn't be the last time when God acted this way. In fact, when it came time for God to keep this promise that he made to Abram, the promise to bless all peoples on earth through the Savior of the world that would come from his family, God acted in exactly the same way. I mean, just think about it. God was going to send his own son into the world, and through his work, God was going to destroy the devil. God was going to defeat our enemy of death and bring forgiveness and eternal life to all of mankind. If you didn't know better already, what do you think that might look like? What would you imagine in your minds? In fact, I I once heard a, a Christian author put it this way. He said, imagine Jesus had a publicist and that publicist came to Jesus and said, Jesus, it is your lucky day because I am going to make you a star. You are going to be huge. People all over the world are going to know your name. And not only that, they are going to love and adore you. They are going to bow down at your feet and worship the ground that you walk on. It is going to be so wonderful. Here's how we're going to do it. You're going to be rejected by your own people. You're going to be betrayed by your closest friends. The religious leaders are going to hate you and smear your character. The political leaders of the day are going to view you as nothing more than a pesky nuisance that just needs to be eliminated. You are going to die probably the cruelest and most gruesome and most humiliating death that has ever been devised by mankind. Sound like a plan? That's exactly what God did. And again, it still wasn't the last time. You see, where the rubber really meets the road is when we hear our God tell us that he is going to work in our world and in our lives in exactly the same way. That as we think about all the blessings that we have received from God, yes, physical blessings, but certainly more so spiritual blessings, that God has adopted us, us of all the people in the world, he has adopted us into his family through baptism. He has washed all of our sins away and declared us to be holy. That right now, there is a piece of dirt in our very own promised land that God is improving and getting ready to be our eternal home. That God has given us all of those blessings in spite of the fact that we haven't done a single thing to deserve one of them. Or that as God tells us that he's going to continue to work and be active in our lives, he tells us that he's going to do that in ways that are completely unexpected. That we would be tempted to think that if anything really good and important is going to happen in our life, it'll probably happen through our power and our influence, through our strength and our winning personality. But God says, no, that very often, more often than not, in fact, he's going to do his best work in our lives through our weaknesses and through our failures. That he'll continue to do his great work as we struggle under sin and struggle under the weight of sin's curse. What God did with Abram was not just some isolated incident. He did the same thing with Jesus, and he promises to do the same with us. God continues to give blessings that are completely undeserved. He continues to work in ways that are completely unexpected. Wherever God steps in our world, he leaves behind these footprints of grace. And that helps explain the other set of footprints that we see in this story. I mentioned that there were two characters in the story. There's God, and then, of course, there's Abram. And Abram left a set of footprints of his own. 
When God told him to get up and go, Abram listened. He took his wife, he took his nephew Lot, he took all of his possessions, and he left his country, he left his family, he left his household, and he went to this strange and unknown land. When he got there, the Bible tells us that on two separate occasions he built altars and offered sacrifices to God. And then finally, these verses tell us that Abram began to call on the name of the Lord in a land where the people knew only the names of their own sets of false gods, Abram began to call out and proclaim the name of the Lord, the one true God. These footprints that that Abram left teach us a couple of important lessons about the real essence of what it means to be a person of faith. That first lesson is this, that faith is only as good as its object. In other words, faith is only as good as the thing that you are putting your faith in. The fact that you believe something is only worth anything if the thing that you believe in is worth anything. We might even picture faith as the hand of a person who is falling off the edge of a cliff, but as they fall, they see some sort of branch, some sort of plant that they reach out and grab onto and hold onto for dear life. That person might have the strongest grip in all the world. A person can have the strongest faith in all the world, but if that that branch or that plant is weak and it breaks and it gives way, then their strong grip isn't going to do them any good. When it comes to the, the faith that Abram had, the thing that he was reaching out and grabbing onto was God's grace, God's undeserved blessings and his unexpected ways of working. And then the second lesson that Abram's footprints teach us is that when a person has faith, it will naturally show itself in action. When God made all these wonderful promises to Abram, Abram didn't say, hey, that sounds pretty good, God. Have at it. Let me know when you're done. I'm looking forward to seeing the results. No, Abram got up and and he went. He listened. He obeyed. He offered sacrifices. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. What you believe in your heart is naturally going to show itself in your life. What you grab onto with that hand of faith is going to show itself in the steps that you take with your feet. This is why the Bible refers to Abram as the father of all who believe. Even though the details in his life might be very different from the details in our life, the essence of that faith is the same. All who share the faith of Abram follow in his footsteps. Wherever God steps, In our world, he leaves behind these footprints of grace. And wherever God's people step in this world, they leave behind the same footprints of faith. So here's where these verses lead to a question that might make you feel a little bit uneasy, sort of like the question that I asked at the beginning. We've seen how God left some footprints in these verses, and we've seen how Abraham left some footprints in these verses. But as we think about our own lives, we realize that we too have left some footprints all over the place. What story do those footprints tell us about ourselves? If your footprints would look anything like mine, I'm guessing they would tell the story of someone who is plenty busy running around, going here, there, and everywhere, but very often... Perhaps they would look like the footprints of someone who is following something, but maybe not following a God of grace. For example, that as we think about all of the blessings God has given us, both spiritual and physical, and and we know deep down that we don't deserve a one of them, and yet very often we act as though maybe we're just a little bit more deserving 
than some other people that we know. That we're quick to get angry with our spouse or with our children. That we get smugly self-righteous when we convince ourselves that someone else's sins are a whole lot worse than our own when we demonize people who have differences of opinion from us or who are are just different from us in one way, shape, or form. That we keep records of who's done what against us, that we are slow or maybe even completely reluctant to forgive. Those are the footprints of someone who is following someone other than the God of grace. Or maybe those footprints tell a, a story like this, that as we think about how God is going to continue to operate in our life, we know that in the life of Abraham and in the life of Jesus, he did some things that were a little bit unexpected, but, but as we think about how he's going to work in our lives, we sort of expect that he's going to work in the way that we would expect him to work. That naturally things are just going to go well if God loves us, and, and if they don't, if everything seems to be going wrong, if nothing works out the way that we had planned, that then we somehow have the right to get angry with God or, or think that something is going wrong, maybe he's fallen asleep on the job. Or maybe as he comes and he calls us to live a life that is characterized by humility, a life that is characterized by service to others, a life that is characterized by sacrifice and generosity for the good of others. We'd maybe think, now, if anything good is going to happen in my life, it's going to happen through my, my power and my influence and my popularity and my wealth. Again, those are the footprints of someone who is following a God other than the God of grace. And so I, for one, am very, very thankful that in at least one way, you and I have a major advantage over Abram. When Abram stepped forward in faith and took that first step in the direction of Canaan, he had very much heard God's grace with his ears, and yet he had not seen God's grace with his eyes. In fact, even by the time Abram's life came to an end, that would not have changed. That great nation that God had promised Abram he would become, by the time he was dead, it was still just a a very small family. And this entire nation, this entire land that God promised him he would possess, by the time Abram died, he owned just a, a small burial plot for he and for his wife, Sarah. You might say that for Abram, God's grace was sort of like an untested experiment, which really makes all the more remarkable that Abram was willing to step forward in faith. I don't know if I would have had the courage to do so. But I am very thankful that for us, in contrast to Abram, we have not only heard of God's grace, but we have seen it. We have seen how this experiment turned out. We've seen how it turned out for Abram. We've seen how it turned out in the life of Jesus. That still, for the most undeserving of people, and in the most unexpected of ways, God has brought victory and life and salvation for all mankind. We have seen the results of this experiment. God has passed again and again and again, which means that we can be absolutely confident as we now head into uncharted territory. That's maybe where our lives do bear some similarity to Abram's. Where is God's grace going to lead us? Where is God's grace going to call us? What does our future hold? Only God knows that. And yet what we do know is that even though this is uncharted territory for us, it is already familiar terrain for our gracious God. God demonstrated in the life of Abram. He demonstrated it in the life of Jesus. He has left his footprints of grace all over our world. 
which means that as he leads us, wherever he leads us, leaving behind those same footprints of grace, you and I can confidently follow, leaving behind footsteps of faith. Amen. Amen.